now know who will be playing in Saturday's grand final at the MCG. We know who won the Brownlow medal last night. What we don't know is how Timmy Hodges has pulled up after that devastating loss the other night. Good morning, Timmy. Uh, good morning, boys. I'm uh, soldiering on. Soldiering on. I said to Paul earlier, I mean, I never used to like Collingwood being a Carlton supporter. I think that was just part and parcel <laughs> of, of being a Carlton. No, but I've mellowed. And I don't know whether I've mellowed because Nathan Buckley's not there anymore or perhaps Eddie, but just got to like what that club did this year. But I actually felt sorry for them the other night. We were sitting here cheering them home. And we weren't far away. Yeah, that doesn't make me feel any better, Jared. But um, no, but you know what I mean. For your, thanks for your thoughts. No, it was. Uh, I mean, it's right up there with uh, the 2018 Grand Final. That's the most devastated I think I've ever been at the footy. Um, and a grown man shouldn't be that upset at football results. But uh, here we are. It's happened again. It's a one-point prelim. You know, the 2019 prelim was heartbreaking. It just continues. So it's uh, the curse of being a Collingwood supporter in September. But uh, what a ride the club has has put their supporters through. And uh, what a surprise. Like, we've spoken about this a hundred times this year. But it's... um, It was supposed to be... They went and got a development coach, Craig McRae, because they thought this was going to be a rebuilding phase for the Magpies, for the whole football club after the Nathan Buckley and Eddie Maguire era. And uh, it was anything but, and they went within a point of making it through to the the last, the big dance, the last dance. Like it's, um, uh, you know, it's. I think Craig McRae's been a breath of f- fresh air for that footy club. Clearly, uh, on field, the results have been spectacular. Um, they've been the storyline of the year, and the coach of the year is announced tomorrow. And uh, honestly, guys, I-, I would be shocked if it's anyone other than Craig McRae, which is. Um, which is, you know, staggering to think. So uh, what a transformation he's made on that footy club. Uh, it needed it, mind you. But, um, mm. yeah, it's been a it's been he, a wonderful he's, ride. He's so measured. Everything he says is so thoughtful. And you can understand how, how he's such a good communicator with those players. Uh, do you know what? Uh, you're right. You're so right. I went into uh, Fox Footy yesterday to, to get a head start on today's show. And just listening to his press conference, you can actually... You can use it on your own life. It's it's uh, he's he's mm. deep and he's profound and he's uh, like you can just see how he's got a such a an immediate response from his players is that the love he has for them, uh, the respect, the care um, that he just gets it. So yeah, it was. Um, uh, I, I honestly, I listened to his press yesterday. Just thought, oh, this is sort of relevant for all of us, uh, and it's. Mm. Um, not just for his the twenty two blokes he sends out each week to win a football game. So yeah, he's um he's a deep thinker. He's a um, great communicator, and um, I think he's going to be a. I, I mean, I, I was I was in the camp that I was surprised they went with Craig McRae when they announced the replacement. It's almost twelve months ago to the day, uh, but what a uh, what an impact Craig McRae has made in in twelve months at that footy club. Timmy, as a footy fan. Uh, as a Collingwood fan, would you have rather lost by 21 than just the one point? <laughs> rather lost by 21 goals than one bloody point. But uh, it just goes to show the belief that team has and that they are, they, I think the Magpies are the fittest team in the competition, that they run out games better than any other team in the comp. And if you don't need to, you know, you don't have to have my word for that. Go and look at the results of the last 15 weeks that um, just their final terms have been ridiculous. And, you know, the second-best team in final terms 
has been Sydney, and they ran the Swans off their off their legs on, on Saturday. And uh, I mean, people talk about one more minute. I, I reckon twenty or thirty more seconds, and they probably would have pinched that game. They just can't when they when they uh, and McRae was he, he said afterwards that the first half was not how Collingwood wanted that game to be played. Um, I think they're maybe a bit intimidated by... The, and Sydney's pressure is the best in the competition, and that's what, if I'm Chris Scott, I'm, I'm at, at high alert because if he, if the Swans bring that in the grand final, it's going to be very difficult to top. But the Magpies struggled so much with it in the first term, and they got six goals down. I mean, there's not many teams can... I mean, most teams would drop their bundle in a, in a cutthroat preliminary final when only the winner survives and you go and lose by 60 or 70 points like the Brisbane Lions did on Friday night. But Collingwood got off up off the canvas at three-quarter time and said, we've got this, we've done this before, we've done this so many times in the past three months. And they believed when I don't think anyone else did, and they just one goal after another after another, and they're back in the contest, and they're back within a kick, and then you saw how it finished, unfortunately, on Saturday for, for Collingwood supporters. Jimmy, if we can go back to Friday night, uh, uh, we just touched we on need the fact to? that... Well, we do. Collingwood came back, uh, as we've seen in so many matches throughout the season, but just had the feeling after about 10 minutes that the Lions were in big trouble on Friday night, and that's how it panned out. Yeah, it's already been a great season for the Brisbane Lions, and um, I don't want to be critical of them, and, and they had two huge September wins against the odds when I didn't think they'd get any. So to, to win the elimination final at home against Richmond was a great, uh, just a great moment for that footy club, a great moment for Chris Fagan, who needed a September victory. Um, to then come down to Melbourne and knock off the defending premiers and, and send them out of the competition was, was mega, mega. So, um, you know, I, I just think they were out of gas by the end. And when they had to go again, they just had nothing left um, uh, against the might of the Cats on Friday night. And you, you so often see that. In all footy codes, that when there's nothing, there's nothing to gain from fighting on. It, it sort of does blow out, and that's what, it was always it had the smell. It was always going to blow out to be a, a big cats win, and that's exactly how it panned out. So, yeah, they not that you need to run the cats into form. They've now won 15 straight going into a grand final, um, so they're in ridiculously good shape, and that's why it's such a good granny now that. Um, Put aside, you know, the Patrick Dangerfield storyline, trying to win one finally in his decorated career. Buddy Franklin, it might be his final game for for one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But you've got two teams, the Cats on 15 straight wins, the Swans on nine straight wins. Like they both could not be in better shape heading into into the the Premiership playoff. Gary Lyon said, uh, yeah, he thought the Brisbane Lions were now irrelevant and they were very you know, massive. Uh, a long way away, basically, from getting to a grand final. That's that's what he said. They're irrelevant now. Your your mate Robbo, Mark Robinson's got different views here on the Brisbane Lions. He thinks all is not lost. McStay's going, and Mitch Robinson's retired. But seems to think it looks as though Josh Dunkley. There's there's rumours around that he may be a Brisbane Lion next year. Young Ashcroft is going to be the number one draft pick. Get there. It's the father son rule. And it appears as though Jack Gunston could be one that might be on his way out and could be a lion. So with a few inclusions there, Robbo thinks they definitely will be there or thereabouts next season. Yeah, I mean, look at Collingwood. They couldn't be any lower at this point last year. They, they finished as low as the club has ever finished, 17th on the ladder, second last. 
that's the lowest the Collingwood Football Club had ever finished in in their history. That won wooden spoons before, but never when there was that 18 teams in the competition. And, and to turn it around and to be a top four force this year is remarkable. Brisbane are going way better than Collingwood were at this time last year. So I, I've got full faith in in Chris Fagan. And yeah, I, I mean, all the talk is that Josh Dunkley is going to the Brisbane Lions, and that could be rubber stamped as soon as today that that he wants that move. And I think that would be good for him, uh, and it'd be great for the Brisbane Lions. I, I, I think you, you say they're losing McStay and, and Robinson. I don't think that's any huge loss. Um, Will Ashcroft is going to be. Uh, I mean, he is the the Nick Dacos equivalent that people are saying he's going to go and he'll play round one next year. How that's how good he is. So that's enormous for them. Um, they've got young Fletcher to come into that team as well. And, yeah, I mean, Chris Fagan has a relationship with Jack Gunston. So if he can convince him to come and be the, the veteran forward, then I, I think they're I think they're still very much in the window to be winning and vying for a premiership. So, yeah, don't give up on the Lions just yet. It, it was a sour old way to finish their season in the prelim on Friday night. But... No, I think they're still very much very much in the mix, of course. You know, they've got Lockie Neal, just about the best player in the competition, just about won his second Brownlow last night. So, yeah, while you've got your stars there, absolutely. Uh, like, like like Chris got on the Cats, you know, you're all in on this bob, and that's why they, you have to admire what Geelong is doing. While they've got Dangerfield and Selwood and Hawkins there, they're, they're going to sell the farm to, to keep in it and bring stars in like the Jeremy Camerons, like Isaac Smith. And I, I honestly think that's what Brisbane should be doing. Go and get Dunkley. If you can get Gunston, get him. Uh, bring in the youth. And I, I still think they'll be very much there next year. Timmy, speaking of the Brownlow, did you go last night? And no, I didn't go. I just uh, shortlisted it from my couch. And well, it was one of the best. Uh, did you see it through, Jared? No, no, I couldn't run the distance. No, uh, I mean, honestly, it was the best Brownlow I've ever seen. Um, for for four superstars to be in it right up until the last round, and then to it come to to come down to the final game of the season, and Patrick Cripps needed three votes to to beat Lockie Neal, and he did it. Um, like that's as that's as uh, good as a Brownlow will ever be. And Bradshaw Cripps is a great winner. I know it's slightly, or not slightly, it is absolutely controversial when he was suspended and, and they fought the suspension at appeal and, and, and controversially won that. It allowed him to play in that round 23 against Collingwood, which we was, he was awesome at. He got the three votes in. Unfortunately, Carlton couldn't get over the line and missed the finals as a result. But... Um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's a, re- a really great winner, Patrick Cripps, to win a Brownlow like that just makes total sense. And uh, for so long, I thought Lockie Neal was was a certainty to win it, and it was only if any, anyone was going to beat him, it was going to be a tie um, because he, uh, I thought he was brilliant, and you know he would have been richly diver- deserving to be a, a two-time Brownlow winner. But uh, as it is, Cripps was uh, an awesome awesome result for for the Blues and for footy. Timmy, you are an AFL historian. Has there ever been a Brownlow medalist suspended during the season and then getting off at appeal at the tribunal, then going on to win the Brownlow as Cripps has done? Uh, I don't think there has been. Uh, so there's been a couple that have, have won it before that have been ineligible, um, uh, but nothing like this. And, and even, like, uh, can you imagine the, I don't know, Jerry, what do you blue boys? What do you send over to the, to that lawyer that got uh, Patrick Cripps off that fought for <laughs> Dennis Denudo? They're calling. It, it was nearly a five-hour case that Thursday night to get him off. Um, 
Like, what do you send him? Do you send him some flight vouchers or are you what about more the umpires? a box of chocolates they... and a slab or is it another brown paper bag full of cash? No, normally that's the Carlton way, isn't it? So it's... I mean, what a what a great result! <laughs> it's, uh, that is, uh, there'll be a book on that of, of that night, that whole night, um, to keep him alive for round twenty two and round twenty three to try and get Carlton into the finals. That didn't work, but but what it did do is ensure that that Cripps is the Brownlow medalist for this year because yeah. without it, he, he he wouldn't have played in round twenty three to get the three votes, let alone being eligible to actually win it. The umpires played their part, though. Uh, because, you know, there's always been a theory that all the umpires get dirty if somebody's been let off or hasn't been suspended. But there was an ideal opportunity for umpires to be dirty and not give him any votes, and he got three. Yeah, well, I mean, even when they lost the game, which quite often umpires will only give the three votes to the winning team. Um, But Patrick Ritz was... Uh, I, I mean, I remember that game well. He was bloody superhuman in, in that round 23 clash against the Pies. Um, he did everything to get his team over the line and they fell agonisingly short. He, he absolutely deserved the three votes. So, um, you know, tick tick to the umpires for, for that result. Timmy, uh, um, sometimes when you see teams down the bottom of the ladder, fans or observers will think, you know, players sort of don't really care so much about it. But when you listen to Cripps and he talks about his early years at Carlton, it seems as though it really took its toll on him uh, uh, emotionally. He wasn't enjoying it because they weren't successful. He said, at least this year, OK, we didn't play finals footy, but we were positive side on the ledger, more wins than losses. So it, it shows that fa- football players actually hate being down there. They're not just turning up for a paycheck. They hate where they find themselves. Oh, no, every player wants to be playing this week in the grand final. That's why they're so envious of someone like Joel Selwood, who has never been down the, the bottom of the ladder. Like, what a glorious career. You know, he might be heading into his final game this week, the captain of the Geelong Football Club, to break the finals games record. And he's never been down the bottom of the ladder in his entire career. Like, he's been blessed. So, yeah, I mean, Patrick Cripps, uh, for those who didn't see it, uh, you know, YouTube or check it on seven plus or whatever it's on today or or, or whether it's online um his acceptance speech was brilliant and and the fact that he spoke about he won in in the space of 34 games he won three times um like it it got it got to him dreadfully but he's a loyal bugger he's from the country in wa and he was never going to leave that club even though he had you know the wa clubs offering him millions and millions and millions of dollars to go home and he's always going to stay loyal and he always has stayed loyal and he will finish career his career as a Carlton player but you just want him to play finals like he's just had um, really no great success finally he can see it turning and he said a number of times last night that he's an optimistic kind of guy so uh, he also spoke about and this is what's really ticked me off about Patrick Cripps is that he never spoke publicly never did media and that's really frustrating but he spoke about last night that he said he, he suffered horrendous anxiety. Uh, he, he acknowledged he was no good at it. He, he did a, you know, it was like one full year. He just worked and had media training to be better at it. Um, right. So even that was, it was a great acceptance piece. Like one of the all-time greats um, and um, you learnt so much about him, which is very rare after after winning at Brownlow. And I think maybe the few beers he'd had during the evening probably um, loosened him up a little bit. <laughs> it may have helped. Have you got yeah. him on tonight on AFL 360? Uh, we don't. I think he's on couch, but I'm not. I'm not okay. um, definite about that. It was. Um, it's just a, a new new thing. Normally, it's the Monday night, so you can actually plan your week a bit better. But uh, being the Sunday night um, changes things. So you've yeah, got our coaches on tonight. So probably we're we're full up. But um, 
uh, if Couch don't grab him, we'll, we'll try and put him on during the week. So both the uh, the grand final coaches on tonight. Oh, we've actually got the last two premiership coaches. So Damien Hardwick and Simon Goodwin. Um, and we all know this time last year we're in Perth, and Simon Goodwin was getting the job done. To uh, but we'll be just fascinating to tap into two genius coaches to see how they how they did plan. How they got through their own nerves, how they managed their teams—it would be—I I think it would be fascinating, a fascinating listen to see how uh, Hardwick and Goodwin approached this year, this week. Um, you know, when they had their their turns last year for Goodwin and uh, Hardwick in 20 and 19. So yeah, the last three premiership coaches are, are with us tonight. Early thought on the grand final. Uh, I'm leaning towards Geelong. Just, uh, I think there's a sense of destiny um, with them. And, and as I said, you know, I think it will be Joel Selwood's final game. Uh, I think Patrick Dangerfield, like, it's the best final he's ever played on Friday night. He's just running into to, to form. Jeremy Cameron has a feel of Mr. September about him. I just think at their best, Geelong has been the best team by some way this year. And if they bring it on Saturday, they, they, they should win. Timmy, one final thought. James Heard, watch what's happening. Ah. <sighs> No, no, nothing as yet. So, yeah, I'm fascinated with which way Essendon goes. Um, there was talk over the weekend that Brad Scott was had sort of bolted to be the outright favourite that he wants to be interviewed and he's the man most likely for the Essendon job. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone has a good read on what the Bombers will do because the Bombers are a, a peculiar bunch. They do their own thing, which is why James Heard is still very much in the mix to, for that job. Good on you, Timmy. Thank you so much for that, mate. We'll chat later in the week. Uh, well, thanks for picking me up off the ground after uh, what's been a pretty brutal weekend, guys. <laughs> Good on you, Timmy. There he is, Tim Hodges from AFL 360, joining us on the show this morning.